The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. The Guardian Books Podcast with Claire Armistead. As the season of literary log-rolling draws to its close, we take a satirical look at eight of the big books of the year with The Guardian's John Crace and try to digest what they reveal about the state we're in at the end of 2013. Today's digested read is Autobiography by Morrissey, which became an instant classic when it finally emerged in October. That's to say it was published as a Penguin classic, an honour usually reserved for canonical works of literature. So how literary is it? My childhood is wave upon wave upon wave of misery for those around me. Manchester, unpleasing, wheezing, incomplete, concrete. Naturally, my birth almost kills my mother, for my head is too big, full of words, 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 birds, turds. My lineage stretches back to Ovid, who grew up being Diffie near the Liffey before moving to the Wirral to save the squirrel from being eaten. At school, I am the futile pupil brutalised by neo-fascist inquisitors who do not understand the subtleties of sublime rhyme. My only valent talent is for athletics, my event the 20-kilometre walk on water. Blood laced with disgrace flows from my hands, feet and side. Oh, Stephen, says my mother Mary, what have you done to yourself now? I feel forlorn in my crown of thorns. Death, 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 unbreath is all around me. Nancy laughs, her wild smile frozen forever as a bus loses control on a pothole and crushes her against the grimy, corblimy door of the rover's return. Gloria Gaynor sings, I won't survive. Life is thus. I seldom leave home. Top of the Pops is my only refuge from the deluge of my tears and fears. The chorus of Mud's tiger feet. That's neat, that's neat, that's meat. I really love your tiger feet. Fills the gloom of the room. For the first time, I feel the possibility of persistent existence. I can see the stripy paws of one of the world's most endangered species bounding unhounded through the jungle. Those paws are mine. No more condescension at my pretension. I will sing. I will be famous. I write a song, living next door to Malice, and send it to Smokey. They tell me to fuck off. The sure allure of the unbrave grave returns. A non-entity introduces me to a moderately talented guitarist named Johnny Marr, who is friends with a useless drummer named Mike Joyce and a bassist whose name I can't remember. And from that moment on, this book starts switching between the present and the past tense and gives up trying to be shittery, literary, in the interests of settling as many scores as possible. At the beginning... There was a sense of great energy despite the small-mindedness of the automated, burger-eating pen-pushers at rough trade. 
Where this energy was coming from, I couldn't say, for my mind was fizzing with the creativity of a Keats or an Auden who had been caged for too long. The band didn't appreciate my tortured physicality that brought them hit after hit. They just enjoyed the trivialities of the repetitive life on the road, while I endured the barbs and arrows of the intellectual pygmies of the music press. I was the meat being murdered. I woke up one morning to discover that the Smiths were finished. To this day, I still can't say how that happened. You, sir, throws the undone salutation to the dawn And you claim these words as your own But I've read well and I've heard them said A hundred times, maybe less, maybe more John Craig's giving Morrissey short shrift there. With me in the studio to discuss the book at The Guardian's Culture Supremo, Casper Llewellyn-Smith, and died in the wool Smith's fan, Will Woodward. Casper, I mentioned at the beginning that this is published as a Penguin classic. Morrissey takes himself really seriously, doesn't he? How seriously should we take him? Oh, I don't know. If, I don't know if the intention is a serious intention in this instance. I mean, I think that possibly Morrissey tongue in cheek, but also you think of the classic Smiths record sleeves, which played homage uh, frequently to sort of classic British films. So the sleeve of what difference does it make with uh, Terence Stamp from I think the, the film The Collector, John Fowles' book. And I think in a way this sleeve uh, or this book cover rather is a reference to that. It's Morrissey pose looking like a sort of Greek god. And th- there's an element of pastiche or there's an element of, of sort of playfulness involved in it. So I don't think it's necessarily him being incredibly pompous, although, of course, he is incredibly pompous. It's quite a long time since the Smiths disbanded. How relevant is he today, Will? Not fantastically relevant. I mean, the book just isn't just about the Smiths. It's about his solo career, which, is, as, as he reminds us, has extended well beyond the uh, sort of life of a band which kind of did four or five albums. I mean, it seems to me he's still one of the more interesting elderly rock stars. And he does have some value, I think, in the sense that the kind of music he made and launched has become more popular and much more mainstream. He and the Smiths kind of were one of the first of that particular kind. And so it makes it very interesting to read about. It also has traction on both sides of the Atlantic, doesn't it? And we, we've we just heard quite recently that it's been issued in the States with in a censored version, Casper. Uh, All well, the gay bits taken out. Well, I mean... The Smiths, yeah, they're a hugely, hugely influential band and, and that's never going to change. You know, Morris is a provocative person, so I think he'll relish the fact that that is the case in the US as well. I was disappointed by this book. I mean, I was never a Smiths fan. I was too well-adjusted as a, as a teenager to really relish them. And yet, you know, there was a great appetite for the publication of this, which arrived, and it sort of arrived in secrecy, really. It was rumoured and it was sort of said to be a Penguin classic. And, it, and then it came out uh, with an announcement uh, via... Not, Morrissey, of course, isn't on Twitter. That can be a less Morrissey-type thing to, to exist than Twitter. But there is a fan website that he basically uses as his personal mouthpiece. So references appear there to its, its imminent appearance. And then it was delayed for a short period of time. And then suddenly the news came that, yes, it would be published at midnight. And I think there was one bookstore in North London where you could go and get it at midnight. I sort of feel like Bob Dylan started a trend when he wrote the first volume of his memoirs, Chronicles, which is incredibly idiosyncratic. 
book, incredibly Dylan, and recently Neil Young published his memoir, which is the, the most Neil Young book imaginable, drifting off from these kind of mad reveries and banging on about train sets and sort of cars uh, fueled by vegetable juice. And the Morrissey book, it, it is incredibly Morrissey-esque. I mean, I, I absolutely give it that. But, God, he bores on terribly in the second half of it, and I, I just sort of uh, slunk away, feeling a bit defeated, really. Are you going to defend your hero, Will? I sort of came at it from the opposite direction, actually. I mean, I, curiously, I uh, didn't, I wasn't working the day it came out, and I deliberately avoided all the reviews, didn't read anything about it on Twitter, didn't read our fantastic coverage, which I'd helped, <laughs> partly helped set up, at least in the paper. And, and, I, and, I, and I just read it, and uh, I sort of had been prepared to be disappointed because that's what Smith fans are like. And actually, I enjoyed it much more than I hoped, actually. Uh, it does bang on. There are, I mean, uh, you know, the reviews I read subsequently make the point, which is fair, that there is, you know, probably 40 pages too much about the court case with him and the drummer. But it does it does sound like him. It gives you an idea of what it's like to be Morrissey. And it's very, very funny in parts. And um, I mean, I, I agree with Casper in the sense that I do think it, it is reminiscent of the Dylan memoir. And even I can see that sort of Dylan is a sort of more significant cultural figure. But the Dylan memoir, I did think, did give you an idea of what it was like to be Bob. And I think this one gives you a fair idea of what it's like to be Morrissey. My one big um, criticism of it is there's a kind of curious gap in it where there's this incredibly vivid opening section about Manchester and being poor and lonely and neglectful. And then the Smiths happens very quickly. And there's really nothing about what I think must have been the most interesting part of his life, that move from being a nobody to becoming incredibly famous, albeit in a world of enemy and seven-inch singles and reinventing or starting indie music. But then there are huge passages about very waspish, very funny about people like Sandy Shaw, who, you know, we Smith fans thought he liked it as out can't stand anymore about him rethinking what he thinks about the Rolling Stones which he used to hate and used to not hate and also I think he is quite canny about how he writes about Johnny Marr you know his great songwriting partner and and Catterley how they fell out I got to the end and I thought well I really must read this again soon and that's that's a nice place to be in the book I guess. And Casper, it wasn't all fans who liked it, was it? We had a rather um, surprising review from the from the literary critic Terry Eagleton. The august Terry Eagleton uh, raved about it. I mean, it has it's provoked mixed reactions. Terry Eagleton raved about it, said that he thought uh, it wasn't perfect as a book, but that Morrissey should continue writing and he was, you know, could win the Booker Prize. I'd sort of make a plea for people who, who might be tempted to read it to, to maybe read it in tandem also with a, with a book I did really enjoy this year, which is Paul Morley's great doorstep of a book about the north of England called The North, I think which is obviously kind of located in the same milieu and sort of it's that sense of uh, Morrissey and Manchester growing up and obviously the Smith are referenced in that and they sort of make a nice uh, it's a nice companion piece to the Morrissey book, I think. Well, thank you very much. And the, it is as customary at the end of this podcast, we will give you now the digested read digested. The digested read digested is Mosery Memoir. <laughs> Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. 
Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag-and-drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.